0: This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at UrbanAirship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at Locationscore.com. Welcome to This Week in Location
1: Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan
0: and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 212. We're recording this live in the afternoon, December 12th, 12-12-2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untethered.tv, located in a buried, snow-encompassed, snow-entombed Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as always, equally entombed,
2: it is Asif Khan from the Location Based Marketing Association in Toronto, experiencing <laughs> the very first big snowfall uh, of uh, of the winter so far. Yes, we have snow on the ground. I don't think it's going to stick around for too long, but uh, I don't know. They say it's going to melt, but uh, right now we got we got you know a good foot on the ground. So uh, yeah, it's cold. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. You yes. know, it's
0: it, they say that uh, you know the snow isn't going to uh, isn't going to last last in Ottawa. It will melt by April sixteenth.
2: Oh yeah, yes. no, no. I think ours should melt by like middle of next week, hopefully. No,
0: this is it. We are now in We are now encased in snow for the rest of the winter. Every year, I always I always convince myself, to see that there will not be snow or that we will not go through an Ottawa winter. But guess what?
2: Guess what? I'm wrong every you're year. Wrong. Well, you know what, Rob? The good news is you're guaranteed a white Christmas. Uh I'm, I don't mind that. As one of my kids' teachers once
0: told me, uh, just told me a couple of weeks ago, was that, uh, you know, I, I love this. This is beautiful, but it's okay. January 2nd, piss off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I okay. hear you. Well, Asif, uh, you were in San Francisco. How was uh, how was the West Coast? Energetic? It was good.
2: It was, uh, you know, relatively warm, a little bit warmer than, uh, than normal out there. Typical San Francisco weather. Had a couple of... Uh, good meetings, and uh, yeah, you know, back uh, back here, and uh, one more week of travel uh, for me. I'm uh, off to uh, the windy city of Chicago, Chicago uh, next week, so on Tuesday evening, uh, we will be hosting the LBMA Chicago chapter, that is, we'll be hosting Beacons and Beer, uh, so we'll be talking about Beacons, and we've got uh, some great companies uh coming out to, uh, to support that and sponsor that in uh, in Market Beacon, and Verve, all getting behind that event. Uh, so we appreciate that. Um, but that's Tuesday the 16th in the evening. All the details uh, can be found at thelbma.com forward slash events, as well as if you go there, you know, I'm not going to go into any details now, but there are events that we've just announced uh, coming up in the new year in, right here in mm-hmm. Toronto, uh, in uh, we're launching a new chapter in Stockholm in February uh, London's got an event happening in February uh, in Germany or like all uh, actually for all of Europe we've got our, our sort of uh, our, our version of retail logo uh, for for the European market called Loca conference uh, happening in Munich so there's plenty going on uh, so get those dates on your calendar uh, and lock them in the forward events.
0: When are you gonna put a chapter in in you know Cancun or uh, yeah, or I don't. Cuba.
2: Well, well, I'll tell you what. I am going to the Dominican Republic in February. Uh, that is just with my kids, though. It's a vacation, um, and yes. so I guess while I'm down there, I can explore the opportunity. But uh, highly unlikely, you know, we'll have a chapter there anytime soon. Come
0: on, Cuba would be great. I would go and <laughs> run it. You wouldn't have Cuba to pay. Cuba would be great. Yeah, just yeah. between uh, you know, right about now until April, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Heard, heard the education system in, in Cuba is there top you go. notch. It'd I mean, be awesome. All right, well, uh, so do that, uh, thelbma.com forward slash events. We have a jammed show. Just one other date that you guys should be aware of that before the end of this year, that is December 29th. That will be our predictions show, our annual look ahead and kind of a maybe a little bit of a review of how we did this year. So I'm going to have to watch that episode again, but this will be our fifth annual predictions show. It will go up on December 29th. We will be recording that just a couple of days before. So if you have your own predictions and you'd like to include them, Please reach out to us either robinontether.tv or cfa the lbma.com, and we will include them in the show. Doesn't matter how crazy they are. Well, it does. It can't be too crazy. It has to be within the realm of possibilities. Mm. No aliens, uh, no superheroes, nothing like that. No zombie apocalypse. Straight up predictions. And if you have one, we'd love to hear it. I think that would yeah. be cool, wouldn't it? Maybe just get one or two. Would be great. Come on, reach sure. out, guys. Uh, so, hey. uh, that's uh, that's all. Pretty short introduction. we got a great show. Ten stories. Two really big themes that have emerged from those stories. Uh, if we have time at the end, we've got a great little resource. No guests today. We're just going to cruise through the show and, and, and make it a good, short, tight, 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 tight episode. So, why don't we kick things off, Asif? All
2: right. So, our first story over to the UK. Uh, online fashion retailer, Vary. Fashion. That's V-E-R-Y, V-E-R-Y. u k. If you want to check these guys out. Uh, so they're a big online fashion retailer over there, uh, and they, uh, you know, to kind of get ready for the holidays and kind of promote... Uh, you know some of the some of the big deals that they have on for two weeks during the month of December, uh, the very best deals that are available on a daily basis uh, are going to be displayed uh, in out of home um, advertising. So basically uh, in rail stations, roadside, cinema advertising, uh, through an advent calendar type of um, creative designed by a, uh, an agency called St. Luke's. Um, you know, they're, they're basically taking uh, online daily deal activity from, from their fashion retail site and bringing it to the streets of London uh, and engaging people right where they are. And they're working with Live Poster is the uh, technology behind this that's powering this. Uh, they tried this, something similar during uh, Black Friday, Cyber Week, and it worked really well. And they said, hey, you know, it works so well then. It's gonna, it's got to work for Christmas, so let's do it again. Um, so check it out if you're in London. Uh, very.co.uk promoting their live, uh, their daily deals, their best daily deals, if you will, in the streets of London uh, through live poster screen technology. It's pretty cool,
0: digital out of home. I think that might catch on. I don't know this whole light. this whole marriage of, you know, terrestrial and digital. Mm. I think We have stuff to talk about that a little bit later in the show. We do. Yes, we do. All right, our second our second story. This just cracks me up in a bad way, but a good way. Um, you, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago we, we covered uh, TGI Friday's um, move into <laughs> into drones, where if you don't remember, you didn't listen to the show. It was literally uh, somebody who pilots a drone over a table and uh, fr- hanging from that drone, used <laughs> a little bit of mistletoe in order to stimulate the kiss, right? Which just happen- happens when you go under mistletoe, if you didn't know that. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it didn't take too long for something bad to happen. I just can't even do this with a straight face. (laughs) I feel so bad. But, so, uh, obviously this garnered a lot of media. We covered it. A lot of media outlets covered it. And uh, New York Magazine uh, actually uh, sent a reporter and a photographer there to go and actually take some photos and and cover this. And while they were there, catastrophe happened. Uh, One of the uh, the pilots, um, basically... drove the drone into somebody's face. Now, there was a whole sequence of things that happened. He said that it was easy to land it. So the photographer was was uh, was standing in front of a woman who was actually the the reporter and uh, you know the uh, drone driver said, "Listen, the pilot said put your hand out we'll land it on your on your hand." Uh, they, she put her hand out. She got, she got a little spooked, I guess, by it. She nudged her hand. The thing flew off and went right into the face of the photographer. Now, this this is it's not really funny, but it could have been a disaster. So the the uh, the actual uh, photographer's name was uh, Benvenuto, Benvenuto. That's her name. And this is what she said happened. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to read it word for word here so that I don't get it wrong because this is actually pretty funny. Um, it says, it kind of landed but it did something in her hand. She's talking about the reporter. I don't know whether it was a buzzing or what, but she flinched and when she flinched, I was standing maybe a foot away from her and this smaller toy drone for children flies into my face at that point. It was like I couldn't get it off because I guess the mistletoe part had fishing wire on it. That's how it was attached and it got caught in my hair and it kept twirling and twirling and twirling. (laughs) This sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) While this thing is on my nose, that's how it ended up cutting her, me under the chin. I think it had four blades. So immediately, like I'm trying to get this thing off as if it was a huge bug trying to shoot it away. And then she said if it hit her in the eye, it would have been lights out. Literally, she would have obviously done some serious damage. Uh, so really, the very first drone attack happened at TGI Fridays to a poor reporter and her photographer. <clears throat> Uh, you know what TGI Friday's gonna be paying for this for quite some time I would assume Of all the things like a, a reporter and a, and a photographer wow. that's my goodness well, but
2: thankfully it was a, a, right at the end of this, uh, this this campaign right this I think it was the last day that they were running this drone uh, this drone campaign so it will not happen uh, again it will not happen again <laughs> it will not happen. And, and you know and, and it couldn't come at a worse time either for our friends over at Amazon that have been talking about drones cuz this week they've been in meetings with the FAA yes around trying to get approval to fly drones uh, and uh, you know and then this this happened so uh,
0: you know, I'm sure everybody's I was, watching i was watching the web uh, the streaming they stream the web uh, from paris and i was watching uh, robert Scoble's uh, panel uh, and demonstration on uh, on drones, and so he had a whole bunch of people that were building drones, different types of drones, commercial drones, consumer drones, and they were all upstairs demonstrating them. And Loic Lemieux, who is the uh, the guy who runs LeWeb, web, uh, it was very clear. He said, "Listen, these cannot go out into the audience. We do not have insurance that covers out on the, in the audience, so it, the drone ha- cannot fly beyond the the, uh, the confines of the stage." Which is very interesting. So I, I just I wonder how you know uh, TGI Fridays was able to uh, allow somebody who is probably not mm. qualified. To fly a drone over people,
2: they were they, they were qualified. Oh, they, uh, like okay. I, I read somewhere that they somehow there's some kind of certification on this thing that these <laughs> that? Uh, these people have. I don't know what that is, but I did read there were some sort of certification. Well, um, yeah. You know, for yeah
0: but it's uh, so Le web they wouldn't allow it to fly over an audience so I'm just uh, this is just uh, it was a neat idea and I think we we thought it was a unique idea but uh, that, so endeth the drones in the restaurant <laughs> test case yeah with somebody bloody and bruised and probably in the hospital
2: wow yeah there you go funny
0: funny things but sad but funny <laughs> I sad. can't help it was funny okay I'm sorry. does that make me a bad All person
2: right. Right. yeah <laughs> All right, our third story uh, over to the insurance industry. This time, uh, a company called Oscar Health Insurance, uh, based out of, uh, of out of New York City. Uh, these guys uh, are really, really interesting. They've teamed up with the uh, Misfit Wearable guys, the guys who make the Shine. Yes. Uh, you know, this one right here. Oh, Rob's yeah. probably got his on. Here's yep. here's my Shine. So you know, Misfit Shine. Um, so they teamed up with these guys uh, and the, the idea is, is that they want, uh, I mean this is a, a company in the healthcare insurance business, so they want their customers to be healthier and live healthier lifestyles, you know, fancy that. And so the idea is, is that you can sign up, and starting, this starts in January, so it's not available yet, but if you're an Oscar Health Insurance customer or you decide to become one, starting in January, you can opt in to receive a free Misfit wristband, uh, just like the one I just showed you. Um, and once you set it up, um, basically they will track uh, how much you're walking and uh, you, know, you set targets that, that they give you and you, if you achieve those targets based on the number of steps that you take, you hit, you hit the goal, you earn a buck. And if you do it 20 times, you get an Amazon gift card uh, for $20, uh, up to $240 a year uh, can be earned uh, by using your misfit uh, wearables and tracking how much you're walking. So I think this is cool, right? Because you know here you have you know leveraging you know the latest in wearable technology. Uh, it's a hot item, you know. Obviously, right now, uh, from from a Christmas point of view, people are out there buying wearables right now for friends and family. And here you have a chance to a get one free uh, from a, from your insurance company, and and b you know actually benefit from using it um, you know uh, health wise, uh, which you know they want to they want to encourage people to do. They okay. did go to, on record to say that they're not tying you know, your insurance premium to uh, your performance here, they don't think that that's th- the right thing to do just yet as they've done in the car insurance industry, yeah. um, but they do want to encourage healthy healthy living uh, and so they see this as a good way to do that by sort of gamifying and tying it to a rewards model.
0: It's a good, uh, It's it's the first step in that for sure, though yeah. I think that at some point you're going to get a benefit. Uh, if you, I mean, it's the same way that they discriminate smokers versus non-smokers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're active versus inactive, you should get a benefit.
2: Hmm. There that's you just,
0: go. That's just my voice. But uh, again, if if I was ever inactive, I would probably not think that way. So to keep that in mind. All right, our uh, fourth story: WPP. You ever heard of that company? WPP. Don't they own all media companies?
2: <laughs> Pretty much, just, at least half of them.
0: They own like a yeah. They they have a strong voice in this, but they they own a company called uh, it's a media agency network called Mindshare, and Mindshare announced a new product called Search as Signal, uh, and this is really to help inform media decision making and buying for their customers. So uh, you know, if I break it down to its simplest forms in English, it's basically the service accesses aggregated and indexed search results, uh, while partnering with Google for this that can be filtered by country to give marketers information on whether or not they are trending, those uh, search terms that they're using are trending up or down in their category. It also gives them enough data to see trends emerging in certain areas around the country or uh, even uh, on a more narrow scope like cities um, to make buying decisions based on those trends. So you picture this, and I know that we've talked about this because I think that Google and search terms in Google are really a a, a trend uh, discoverer. So if you know if, if a certain neighborhood is is searching for uh, flu remedies or cold remedies or how to unstuff a nose or what the best diaper is, you know all of a sudden you understand that maybe there's a little bit of a flu breakout uh, here happening in that area, and, and you know Google has been at the at the forefront of this, you know, with their data for quite some time. Now they're leveraging it to actually be able to uh, use it for marketing terms for products so if there's a flu if there's lots of searches for flu or cold you might you know push more ads or put more focus on your tissue line or your tissue brand like kleenex there or if there's you know a rash of you know a breakout of flu or or cold over here and a breakout of babies over here which happens you know those kinds of illnesses are all over the place when people are making babies everywhere Uh, maybe you push out diapers instead of tissues and it's just it's highly targeted uh, um, ads based on search Results. And I think that, you know, this, I, I'm surprised that this is new. I'm just assuming that this was how it worked from the beginning. Am I missing anything with this, Yassif? No,
2: I think you got it bang on. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, but only on Google search. It's, only on it's, Google it's, search. It's straight yeah. partnership between Mindshare and Google. So, yeah.
0: well, it's interesting. <clears throat> interesting.
2: Yeah. So, you know, if, if you wanted to, you know, travel somewhere and, uh, and, and kind of leave those diapers uh, behind. Or the cold. That, that kind of brings you into our next story. So, as we travel to the land down under, uh, our fifth story is about the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Melbourne, uh, who's launched a new program called Leave It at Hyatt. So, this is targeting business travelers uh, and people who basically uh, stay at the hotel on a, uh, on a relatively frequent basis. Uh, so basically, we're talking about people who travel to the same place and stay at the same hotel uh, over and over again. And so they've launched this new program where it allows you to store your belongings on site until you come back to the hotel next time. And there's no re- no size restrictions on this. Even bulky, inconvenient items are fair game, they say. You know, uh, could be your golf clubs, could be uh, your workout gear, could be anything like that. Um, you know, and I think this makes sense, right? I mean, it's... Uh, you know, for, for people who travel to the same place over and over again, and you you want to pack lightly, you want to just carry a carry on, you know, you don't want, you know, but you want to be able to work out or you want to be able to golf or you want to be able to do whatever, why not have that stuff there uh, like you would at home um, and, and they'll store it for you. And they're not uh, um, necessarily charging for this just yet. Um, and so far, they've got about 50 travelers who are taking advantage of the service. Um, they're uh, tying this also to their diamond and gold Hyatt passport programs. Um which uh, only requires uh, apparently to be a uh, platinum. You only need five stays per year, so it's not that hard to achieve. And uh, yeah, and and if you want to leave clothes, they'll even dry clean it for you uh, for for a fee. So all uh, all good. Sounds sounds like very uh, very good use of uh, you know lo- local marketing at that level uh, by the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne, Australia.
0: I would love to get five stays in the Grand Hyatt Melbourne. A year. Yeah, how's that? There you go. Yeah, just yeah <clears throat> I don't know if I'd leave anything there but uh, I would certainly go uh, we have another story about Australia coming up near the end of the show as well uh, it's the Australia show 20% of our show 24 percent of our, our topics yeah. are on uh, Australia
2: um can, can, can we can we break out the uh, the land down under. Yeah, exactly <laughs>
0: Where Brooklyn based designer Rachel Banks created something called Monocomb. That's Monocomb, uh, which it basically allows anybody to use aggregated geographic data collected by OpenStreetMap and have any location on the planet printed on apparel, printed on your clothing. I like this idea because maybe, you know, instead of wearing like my address, putting ad- my address on my kids, I can just actually print the clothes and say, this is right here is where they live. Send them back home if you find them, please. Um, you, all you have to do is visit their website, enter any street address, and watch as the map, which comes in light or dark variations, is layered across uh, the garments. And it's right now, it's only really for women, skirts and tops, and some men who like skirts and tops. But it is geared towards women, and these prices range uh, for the products of between 45 and $75. But I can't wait till there's a children's line. That, to me, would have been the first place that they should have done this, which is basically a way to not lose your kids. Right. You don't need any fancy high-tech stuff. You just need to print their home address on their clothes. If you're you interested, go. go to monochome.com. M-O-N-O-C-H-O-M-E dot
1: com.
2: Love it. Love it. I love how it's tied to OpenStreetMap. And and uh, th- th- Rachel Binks is, uh, like, she she's known for this kind of, uh, you know, she's a data visualizer. She's done work for Oprah, uh, the MTV, MVAs. I mean, she, she's a... Uh, She's a player in this space. She's even got a 3D, apparently a 3D printing jewelry design company uh, also. So uh, she's all over this, you know, leveraging technology, leveraging location and data uh, to do this stuff. So it's awesome.
0: And it doesn't look crappy. They actually are nice little designs. So that, that always helps, right? It's yeah. not like you're wearing like... is that you know, what you're getting
2: away for Christmas?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes.
2: It's not like she'd, <laughs> she'd be wearing a map, you know what a I mean? A geo-printed map skirt? Yeah, a geo-printed map I'm scared.
0: In the middle of Ottawa in the winter. That, that goes over very well.
2: There you go. Oh, Can they actually see the streets uh, on the map in, in the winter? <laughs> in Ottawa? Or, it's no. basically
0: close your eyes and picture like a big white scape. That's you, exactly you, what m- you remember
2: that story? We, I forgot uh, anyway now, but we covered a story uh, some time ago about um, snow on streets. And looking at the track that the plows take. Yep, yep. You remember that? Yes, and, and then using that as a an urban planning design tool? Yes. It's pretty interesting. But anyhow,
0: that's what it's like outside right now.
2: That's what it's like outside it is. in Ottawa. It's All right. So good. Uh, our seventh story. Now, we talked about Misfit uh, wearables. Let's talk about another big player in the space, Jawbone. Uh, so, Jawbone has teamed up uh, with the Quaker Oats Cereal mm-hmm. Company. Uh, and uh, are doing something really interesting. So they've created something called the Quaker Challenge. And basically what they want you to do is uh, they're tracking activity on this thing. Uh, You upload a picture of the breakfast that you're eating to the Jawbone website. And for each picture that's displayed on the website, and it's only got your first name there, uh, counts as a meal uh, that you're donating to uh, Feeding America. Cool. So this is, this, is, this is great. So you, you know, you're eating your regular Quaker cereal, you take a photo of it, you post it to the JavaOwn website, and uh, for every photo that's posted, a, uh, a meal is donated to Feeding America. Uh, so far, 110,000 meals have been donated uh, through the use of the app, uh, and uh, Quaker says they'll donate up to $20,000, which is 200,000 meals over uh, the course of this campaign. So uh, there you go. 200,000 people will have a meal. Because you ate Quaker Oats cereal and posted a photo.
0: Oh, I eat it every morning. Bananas and a little bit of milk. Oh, mil- oh, there you oh, go. Oh, I'm going to take photos every morning. All right. Uh, speaking of doing good, how about going from feeding people to educating people? Uh, Ideas Box. It's a collaboration between Libraries Without Borders and the UNHCR. Is an attempt to help alleviate that hidden tragedy. What they're calling a hidden tragedy. Uh, so the hidden tragedy is uh, when when uh, when people are uprooted from their homes, uh, there's a there's a human toll that happens. Obviously, there's also a toll on education because the last thing that people think about is reading a book or doing something about learning. So learning languages or learning to read or write, uh, it just kind of gets pushed by the wayside. And if you've ever been to a shanty town in India, uh, you understand that. Or or refugee camps, you understand that the almost the last thing. Uh, right, up, you know, uh, below survival, uh, you know, which is the only thing that everybody focuses on in here, and, and hygiene, and making sure that people survive and, and don't get sick and get fed. Uh, so you can understand that that libraries and education is is fairly far down on the list when you're putting it on a on a uh, continuum with survival. So here, here's an interesting thing: is that it's a set of lightweight, strong, waterproof crates that unpack into desks and chairs for 24 people. It comes with 15 tablets, 4 laptops, and 50 e-readers. 5,000 books are on those e-readers, 100 films, 250 print books. It also includes a full satellite or 3G internet coverage to allow access to digital learning. Interactive equipment includes a projector for movie screenings, GPS for mapping, a stage, and 5 HD cameras for camp members to use use in on-site journalism the uh, intended result is a center from which refugees can continue to learn, grow and engage. I think this is absolutely un freaking believable. Like just stop right here. Greatest story we've ever covered uh, because it just this is this is an untold human toll for refugee camps and for shanty towns.
2: Yeah, and when when I came across the story this week, Rob, I I had to pull this out. We'll talk more about this on the back end, but uh, you know, like you know, when I was figuring out who's talking about what today, I said, Rob's got to talk about this. You know, his mom was was in this. Yeah. Was in this space, you know. Uh, you're gonna, I mean, I think it's unbelievable, but you know, you, your family lived this. Ideas Box was, was created in
0: 2013, um, and they've done a two year trial across five camps in Jordan, Burundi, Rwanda, and uh, the, and the Congo. Um, and over the first year of this pilot, they've enrolled 3,000 members, received 400 unique weekly visits. Uh, That's per week, obviously. They've been reported as the only in-camp program offering assistance regardless of age, gender, family, or education level. Uh, So it's across all of that. Uh, They've witnessed a progressive increase in the number number and diversity of its users and been reported as impacting strongly and positively on education and child protection in the camps they are active in. This is, you know, it stems from that. It starts there. When you are born into poverty or you are stricken with poverty and you are put into a camp, uh, a refugee camp, because you have fled somewhere that has persecuted you or that there is no opportunity where that place was that you fled, uh, you, know, you don't just go from no opportunity to no opportunity. And when you do that, it just it, it breeds a, 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 a contempt, sometimes a hatred, or a complacency in the people inside of those camps. And this breaks that, that chain uh, you know, so mm. I can't say enough about this. I am absolutely stunned that uh, that these guys are not on the on the cover of every magazine or every newspaper or every mag- uh, news show or every television show. Uh, it's un it's unbelievable. Like it's it's probably to me one of the greatest stories we've ever covered. Hands
2: down. Can't, can't disagree with that. Yeah. All right, Uh, our ninth story. Uh, This is about a technology partnership between a group called a company called Photon Interactive uh, and Panasonic. Uh, And basically, they're teaming up to create the next generation of of uh digital at home uh, screen technology uh and the idea being that you know they you know we want screens to be smarter and more intelligent themselves um, so you know we've talked a lot on the show lately about you know sort of you know putting beacons into screens and understanding people coming near to them um, and things like that but what if the screen itself you know had all this stuff built into it you know had the, had the ability to be smart had the ability to understand who was standing in front of it and what their gender was and what their age was and what their demographic uh, and, and socio uh, demographic uh, stuff was. and then we could use all that data in real time to actually decide what content was showed on the screen. you know the, the true minority report, Tom Cruise experience. Uh, and so these two companies are teaming up to do this um, and they're, they're already in pilot uh, with a few uh, few partners. they haven't disclosed who but uh, you know I think this is an interesting uh, an interesting mashup here to see companies coming together, especially traditional screen players like Panasonic, uh, are, are looking for that next technology are looking for you know how not just to cobble the stuff together which is kind of where we're at today but to actually build it right into uh, into the next generation of screens that are out there so photon interactive working with Panasonic
0: building with intent right like that's yeah, yeah with an outcome not just taking what you have and seeing if you can put it together well see, talking about seeing about what you have and putting it together uh, and how about Australia this is the the other uh, part of our Australian coverage here is that uh, eBay Australia uh, created something called the 24 hour Christmas windows now it, it's it, it's very interesting this is this is we're going to talk about this trend a little bit uh, later right after this in fact um, with this whole bricks and clicks piece that we're going to be covering but it's uh you know they they created something called a holiday window campaign uh which was the ebay shoppable window and it ran from 7 a.m on thursday december 4th to 8 p.m on sunday december 7th at the custom house forecourt in sydney australia and the campaign included four windows that were open for 24 hours a day, seven for, for the entire time, from the fourth to the seventh. Uh, viewers enjoyed uh, products in display. Uh, they could browse product details on a 46-inch installed screen and purchased items directly through their mobile phones. And you got to understand these are basically literally boxes. These are display boxes, and it had all these products inside of it. And not only that, it had actors inside of it and like humans and uh, it had products and everything. You can just picture it in your mind, these, these four boxes on, on the property. Uh, each eBay curated uh, window uh, was to appeal to a targeted demographic member of the Australian household. So there was Lycra Mom, Daddy Cool, which I like very much, because Daddy's a really cool, uh, Teenage Dreamer, and Little Princess. Actors in each window display uh, dis- each actors in each window display interacted with products, helping consumers to un- understand what they did and imagine them actually in their possession. Uh, why December fourth to seventh? Why December 4th to 7th? It was predicted to be the busiest period for online shopping, with December 7th culminating in that is the single busiest day when it comes to online and uh, mobile shopping in Australia. Uh, This is a fascinating, fascinating thing. We're going to be talking about this a little bit later on in the show. But 24 hours a day for just a short period of time, uh, and these basically people on display. Like I like it. It's pretty cool.
2: I like it too. And We're going to talk about that
0: much further so those are the top 10 stories of this past week what do you think great 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 stories if we missed yours that's again it's entirely your fault you know how to reach us by now robotontether.tv on Tether TV or cfetthelbmade.com shame on you if you've got something that is important that everybody should know about and you haven't told us we will cover it we promise unless it's about zombies or aliens we will not cover those so stop sending those stories uh we are going to we're going to dive into our uh our big stories in a second and then we'll hopefully have enough time for the resource of the week at the end of this. Uh but before we do, hey listen, you know what? I went out and got a sponsor. Asif. I just decided to go out and I grabbed anybody off the street. No. <laughs>
2: uh
0: I I want you to uh take a listen to this. We we you know, we have to earn a couple of dollars while we're making this podcast and and uh this is a uh, our our sponsor. You heard him at the beginning. This is Think Near and uh here a couple of words about Thinknear, about the formation of that company. We'll be right back once this ad is done. So here's how we make a little bit of money. This episode is brought to you today in part by Thinknear. Now, I should tell you that Thinknear specializes in serving brick and mortar brands that want to leverage location more intelligently, but I thought it would be better to ask some of the people that are building Thinknear to answer that very question. The voice you hear in the background is Lauren Hilberg. He's the president and GM of Thinknear, and I sat down to ask him that very question and here's what he had
1: to say
2: about Then uh, Ellie and uh, Ellie Fortnite and John Hennigan uh, put together a company called Thinknear.
1: I'm John Hennigan. I'm the VP of Software Engineering for Thinknear. I manage all the development and infrastructure and testing and all the technology at Thinknear and all the data science initiatives.
0: Now, the company was formed when they came across one big glaring hole in the market,
1: and that was... We couldn't buy location-targeted mobile inventory. That's when we decided that this is a problem that we can solve, that we're having this, we talked to other people who are having this pain trying to buy this location targeted mobile inventory. And we're like, let's go solve that problem.
0: Soon after solving that problem, TeleNav came a-knock it.
2: Uh, and as TeleNav was trying to figure out how to grow out its advertising capability, uh, we, we came across the near guys, and it was very clear that their context and thoughts around location had an incredible synergy to what Telenab was trying to accomplish. And so that sort of really resulted in the acquisition that we made.
1: So what about that name, Thinknear? Where did that come from? Yeah, we had a really hard time naming the company. We had about three or four really bad names that we went through. And when we were first pitching investors, the only thing they could tell us was that our name was so bad and they couldn't hear the rest of our pitch because they just kept thinking of how bad our name was we had two names we started as RevMax, and then for some reason i can't explain we ended up going with relusions for about two months and then finally one of our one of the guys who ultimately invested in the company kind of took pity on us and he owned thinknear.com and he gave that to us and we just latched onto that
0: ThinkNear the company that could have been called relusions so again we thank think near for sponsoring this week in location based marketing of course you know what that treatment is not just exclusive to think near you guys out there listening to this should you decide to want to reach our audience you too can sponsor and support this week in location based marketing all right to see uh on with the rest of the show um We've got two big stories. One of them is around this concept of uh, bricks and clicks. We've we've heard this for so long, this digital terrestrial marriage that is happening. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. uh, This Australian story about the 24 hour Christmas windows, the eBay shoppable window. And uh, the second one is we're going to be talking about location for a cause. Uh, uh, These things are near and dear to our hearts, as we've just seen. Um, And we're going to be diving into those, too. So we'll start with this whole concept of terrestrial and digital. These things, um, you know, uh, we've got displays, uh, posters to showcase, um, you know, uh, sales uh, in real time. And then we've got this um, eBay shoppable windows. This is this isn't new, but but are our digital retailers really starting to get how to leverage terrestrial to benefit them in a e-tail perspective?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's it's. Being driven primarily by you know this uh, this movement that we've seen over the last sort of two years of the, this idea of pop up stores, pop up shops, yeah. right? Um, and, and so I think for companies who are historically purely online retailers uh, like like eBay or Amazon or you know in uh, Very dot 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 Co that we talked about at the, at the top of the show, you know this is an opportunity to actually show that. These are real products. These are physical goods. These are things that, you know, yes, you buy them from us online or through our site or through our mobile site, but, you know, th- these are real things. And, and I think that, you know, especially at, at times like Christmas where, you know, we're out, we're actively out shopping, we're buying presents uh, for our friends and family and loved ones. Um, you know there's no better time than to, to do a pop-up you know sh- shop type environment than than then um, what I like about the eBay thing in particular is is that you know the, the, the way they they created that the way it was manifested in these, window displays. I don't know about you, but I, like I grew up here in Toronto and every year one of the traditions in my family was we, we'd drive downtown, we grew up in the suburbs, we drive downtown to downtown Toronto and the Hudson's Bay store, like the flagship Hudson's Bay store on Queen Street, um, you know, you would go down there and you'd go down there just to see the Christmas window displays um, that were there, right? You know, with all the lights and you know the the fake snow and everything inside these window displays and you'd see like you know people like mannequins dressed up with certain clothing but you'd see like you know the christmas train running around through the village and all this kind of stuff and it was like this wonderment right especially when you're a kid right um you know and i think this this idea of you know seeing stuff you know helps us understand it in context and how you know how how we would use it at home i think that's what ebay really went for here Right is you know creating these things you know men's teens women's whatever yeah um, and letting people see products that are available on eBay but in in a, in a physical way uh, for in a very short time frame and I think that that's really interesting and in a similar thing you know with very um, you know the, the, again I mean this is fashion they're talking about but you know not necessarily doing window displays but you know taking the taking the content taking the product to the street, letting people see and, and, and engage with it in, in, in unique ways and letting them buy it right then and there. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. You know, so much to echo what you just said about the,
0: you know, especially around Christmas and, and displays, especially if you're a hapless male trying to find a present for anybody, right? Is that you look right, for right, inspiration right. from someone. Like I could browse the internet forever, right? But I typically would end up on like, you know, Best Buy's website. You know, and that's, and that's not really a place where, where I can get a good gift for my for my wife, just just saying.
2: Um, you can get her
0: a misfit or a job owner like I could yeah <laughs> then it would be me running from her. I, you'd be able to count the steps that I would take to be able to, to run quickly. but uh, yeah <laughs> um, so here's here's what uh, this is interesting because eBay uh, that, that store on eBay, um, they did this based on a response for an internal holiday shopping report. And this is what it indicated. It indicated that 65% of Australians associate the holiday shopping season with physical cues such as Christmas music and decorations. Mm. And 37% of them get their gift inspirations directly from display windows. Like, that is crazy. So you think about the inspiration that it's needed to be able to, to be top of mind. It is the displays that seem to be winning, at least for over a third. Now, they also said, with bold sensory details, including a snow machine, which is what they used, and a carol, Christmas carol playlist, and mobile capabilities, eBay designed its windows to blend sensory shopping influence with online convenience, which is exactly what you said, which is so appropriate. Yeah. And, and most of these e-tailers are starting to think about this. That's why Amazon is opening up a a physical store so people can go somewhere when they need, when they want to. They can go shopping. It's a different type of store. It's not the traditional store. Like these are not traditional stores, but the influence still is there, uh, you know, from shopping. It's, It's how I end up in our big mall, just walking up and down the aisles, trying to get inspired for something mm-hmm. to buy someone right and i think that that's just exactly it uh the e-tailers have to do something because it's not the same just browsing online amazing there you go pretty cool bricks and clicks terrestrial versus digital necessary it's both are necessary which is weird and then you add this mobile component to it and, it and adds like that third layer we're now into 3d
2: yeah, no, for sure. I, I think it's awesome. And, and, you know, and it reminded me too, you know, I don't know, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, we talked about Hermes, uh, redoing their, their the sort website. of online experience and they basically tried to create the store online. So the reverse of this, yeah. Um, and that's had huge success too so I think I think you can actually you know as a, you know as a retailer if you're only online you need to go you know you need to do some terrestrial uh, pieces like this and if you're you know a physical store you can you can actually improve your you know your performance and, and your ability to create sensory experience online as well you know if you really want to invest in that so uh, take a look at that too uh, what Her- Hermes has done there
0: it's great you cannot you cannot ignore it all and then you get into this whole mobile argument of mobile web versus mobile app Apps and we did a mobile minute, uh, mobile commerce minute last week with Chuck, where it's it's um it's even more confusing because ninety percent of people buy from the mobile web and uh, mm. and uh, but those ten percent that buy from the apps buy more and spend more because they're more loyal. So it's just a, it's a cacophony, right? But it starts with actually creating the inspiration, the setting for inspiration, and that's what these guys are doing with that's what eBay did.
2: There you um, go, wild. All
0: right, uh, the uh, second piece that we wanted to talk about uh, was this, this concept of location as a cause. So, we, you know, we, we talk about libraries without borders, uh, which is the ideas box, the pop-up library. We, we also, you also brought up, uh, Asif, um, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, the Oscar Health? Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, this this whole concept that that uh, you can tug on a heart. We've covered a number of these stories in, in previous episodes where we talk about, uh, you know, uh, big air filters that uh, that uh, cleanse and clarify air. And we talk about these big film, uh, you know, that huge film that captures moisture to create drinking water. Right. Like th- mm-hmm. these are these are all things that that that. Um, are are a, a just probably a smaller indication of a broader theme around location for a cause um, and targeting things specifically for that one problem or that one location or that one problem that that one location is having. Fascinating use, uh, you know. Last week we talked about can can a cause obfuscate privacy concerns. Now we're talking about lo- location and uh, you know fixing a problem based on a location's uh, you know based based on a location like like uh, like we have already today. Well, thoughts on this? How how does this how can this be done? We got two great examples, but can this how can this continuously be done without looking like uh, it's a marketing or sales ploy, which I think is a challenge.
2: Well, I mean, I, first of all, I think the library without borders thing. There's there's nothing, no, n- nothing we're selling there at all, right? No. We're just, I mean, that's it's purely helping people uh, in a location. What I love about it is, you know, we we can we can invent and create and 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 push all the latest you know gizmos and gadgets we want, but you know, at the end of the day. Um, you know when you can pack that up in a box like they've done and ship it off so to cool. some place uh, in distress and actually help people i mean this like this isn't just like we're sending books and and chairs and desks i mean this is you know gps internet connected classroom with tablets and potentially wearables and all the latest stuff you know that's that's part of this right so you know i, I think it's unbelievable that you know we we can we can sort of almost you know, leap over commercial concerns around you know in, in new and emerging technologies, and just say there there's got to be use cases for this stuff that we're creating. Absolutely. that you know uh, can benefit people you know that that couldn't afford to buy our stuff, you know, or or even rent it uh, for that matter. So so you know I, I think that's amazing. Um, and then for you know for those that, that can, um, you know, those of us who live in in the first world here and who have health insurance and things like that. You know, as in the case with Oscar, you know, I mean, for me, you know, why not encourage people to be healthier? Why not? You know, like, like if you want to talk about the, you know, like back to last week's story about the privacy issues, you know, it's all about for me it, and always has been, you know, when we talk about data and location data and sharing that data. You know, and all the the you know the you know the rigmarole uh, discourse out there around you know uh, the privacy you know that's being invaded around this kind of stuff. You, the only real way you get over that, uh, if, if you're marketing this stuff, is to actually show real value. And here you have companies coming and saying, "Look, put this free free." Misfit wearable on your on your uh, on your body. Walk around with it. We'll track how much you're walking. Yes, you're being tracked, but look, you're getting money for it, right? We're paying you um, to do this. Sure, we're getting some data, but we're very upfront with it. Uh, you know, you, you're getting Amazon gift cards, up to two hundred and forty bucks a year in the in the case of the Oscar uh, piece. And sure, you know, we want to understand that our customers, as an insurance company, are are, are getting healthier or not um and and ultimately, as you know that data will be used somewhere down the road um you know to reward you even further with lower premiums or whatever yeah so uh whoa, all right, my light just went out there <laughs> yeah. all right uh anyhow, so that's uh that, that that's where we're coming from on this stuff i mean I, I I don't know what else to say about it other than to say that um you know, I I, th- I think there's a real good uh, feel-good rationale to, you know, leveraging locations and location data, uh, you know, when when we're supporting causes, whether it's our own cause of being healthier or helping people who can't help themselves.
0: You know, it, it sums up a great summary. It sums it up really well. Who is uh, Philip Stark? Who is the, who the crates? Uh, were designed for the uh, for the pop up media crates and um, yeah he says uh, inside it's not toys it's doors doors to an open mind thousands of different universes and the re- right I mean that that to me summarizes it so so succinctly of, of what what these guys are trying to do each each box costs sixty thousand dollars and uh, so they want to get five thousand of these boxes out. Uh, basically, libraries in a box, um, and but uh, and the Soros Foundation has given four hundred thousand dollars to this, and you know the content has been donated by TED and the Con a- Academy, Con uh, Academy, um, and you know and that's not books. me, by the way. No, it's the other guy. It's the other guy. The other Con. Yeah. The other Con. Yes, <laughs> but I, I mean it, that I think that when you, when you start to think about these things and the initiatives like one laptop per child and all yeah. of these things that that are emerging. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, th- this this kind of cause uh, cause based marketing, uh, which this is really just not. Um, you know, I think what it does is it draws attention to the challenges that it's trying to fight, right? And as opposed to the companies that are backing it, and I think that that to me is the big thing: is that anything that we can do, anything that we can leverage technology wise to support uh, and help draw attention to the causes. Like in the '80s, it was. Um, you know, the famines in Africa, and what did all the all, every recording artist on the planet came together and sang a song, a number of songs mm. uh, for Africa. And I think that this is the equivalent to that. And you really have to understand that, that the outcome of this is to draw attention to the problem, not who's solving that problem. We need to draw attention, more attention to the issues. And, and that's what this does. And I could go on and on and on. But y- you know, this cause based component of, of, uh, of all of this, it's our, it's our global duty to make sure that every single person has the ability to move ahead and actually live their lives. I don't know about you, I, this is a ridiculous thing to think about, but I think about you know, the, uh, the impact of, of uh, you know, World War I, uh, and, uh, and, you know, the tremendous loss of life in World War II, the tremendous loss of life. Um, and, you know, he could have been, the, somebody who died could have been a private, right, in the American army or any army. Uh, um, yep. But you, what you've done is you've cut off a lifeline, and that person could have been the key person that either genomically or something else would have been the cause or the, the, um, the, the person who found the cure for cancer. Right. Uh, And and what we've done is by doing all these ridiculous things, we've stunted our growth as humans because that kid at 19 died in France. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I just think about that all the time. And I think that how many more lives are out there in in these areas that are that we're we're not focusing as as a global population where the minds are just atrophying. And if we can just move them forward, who knows what happens, uh, you know, 50 years from now, you know, because somebody was helped in that because of this. And then 50 years later, their kid is, you know, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, finally gets peace in the Middle East or finally cures AIDS or whatever it might be. And I think that we just limit our lives by by just not helping. And that's why these things are so important. That's all. I'm off my soapbox now. I'm with you, man. Yeah.
2: Do we, do we got time for a resource? Or let's no? do it let's do it yeah let's let's right, end because, on a good note yes yeah uh, so our good friends over at uh, at Pew uh, research uh, the Pew Research Center for Internet and in American Life Project uh, have released a study on what Americans think about privacy hmm. um, and so given what I just said uh, I think this this fits quite interestingly um, just highlight a couple quick numbers this will be available on the lbma.com forward slash research. Uh, but some, some numbers here, 91% of adults in the survey agree or strongly agree that consumers have lost control over how their personal information is being collected and used by companies. 88% of the same people also agree or strongly agree that it would be very difficult to remove inaccurate information about themselves <laughs> online. Um, and it goes on and on uh, you know, about people being concerned um, uh, about about their privacy. And, and you know what we just talked about, you know, especially in, in, the, in the Oscar Health and Misfit piece, you know, yet again another reason marketers that are listening out there who are using location-based services figure out what your value proposition is, articulate your use case of the data to people, um, so that they see it, and when they see it, they don't fall into this group um, that we're ta- that, uh, that Pew Research is talking about okay. here. They <laughs> actually agree that it's a good thing.
0: Yes, and people will. If you just give them the chance. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And what was that called? It's the Public Perceptions of Privacy.
2: It, it, it is called the uh, What Americans Think About Privacy. Uh, and the, the article itself is called Pub- Public Perceptions of Privacy and Security in the Post Snowden Era. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Again, available at thelbma.com forward slash research. All right, Asif 212
0: on 1212, 2014 nailed done finished boom all right i don't think we have anything left to say just to remind you that uh there's a lbma event in uh, chicago on tuesday and if you're listening to this after tuesday don't go to chicago it's over it was just this one tuesday not the next one just this one just this one and on the 29th we'll be doing our prediction show and we would love it if you would actually open up your mind and give us your predictions doesn't matter how long or short you can do it in a type form. You can send us an audio or a video uh, transcript or uh, audio or video clip. Just send them to Robert on TV or Asif at the LBMA.com. We will include them in our predictions as well. But we got one more show until then. We'll be back next week for 213. And as I said, episode number 214 is going to be the prediction show, and that's the 29th of December. Asif, enjoy Chicago. I heard it's nice and warm there in December in in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but enjoy December. Have a great event, and we will see you guys next time for episode 213 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. See you later, everybody. All right, from Australia to New York City. Actually, (laughs) fuck.